This is why I think it's wise for you to have a mission statement and not a mission paragraph. Because if it's not easily accessible, if it's not memorable, if it's not concise and portable, well, then we're not going to pull out the binder and say, well, let us refer to the mission paragraph as we make this decision on whether or not we should hire this person. No one does that. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. And today, we're going to talk about a topic that is incredibly fundamental but outrageously important. We're going to talk about the three questions that you as a leader and you as a business need to be able to answer. Here's why I wanted to focus on this today, because recently I was reflecting on what are some of the core decisions that we made early on within our business that have enabled the growth, but also the health of our business for the subsequent two years. We're almost a two-year-old business. And what I will tell you is as I spent some time reflecting on that, and as I thought about what are the things that we did early on that have enabled us to grow, but also grow in a way that's incredibly healthy, there was one thing that I landed on that was without a shadow of a doubt, the most important. I believe it's the one thing that we did early on that has enabled us to hire people that are absolute all-stars, that align on the things that really matter to us. I believe it's the thing that has enabled us to attract customers that we deeply enjoy working with, that want what we provide, and that we just honestly consider our friends and love getting to do business with. I think it's the thing that has created a message in the marketplace that people find compelling because they actually know what we're about. I think it's the reason why our team is able to have stubborn independence within each member and we're able to have conflict, but we're still able to support and encourage each other within that conflict because we handle the conflict in a, in a healthy way. There's one thing that has enabled all those other things. And that's what I want to talk about today because that one thing was answering three questions. And, and the three questions that we answered early on that I want to share with you that are absolutely possible for you to answer and articulate for your organization are why do we exist, number one, what do we stand for, number two, and where are we going, number three. I'm going to say it again. Why do we exist, what do we stand for, and where are we going? Now, my assumption is that if you've been in business for a few days, you probably have some sort of answer to those questions, hopefully, whether you've articulated it or not. But here's what I want to know, and here's what success looks like. Are you and your team able to consistently answer those questions passionately and consistently across the board? And that word consistently is really important because one of the principles that we focus on a lot that I think is often misunderstood in leadership is that language creates culture. There's a difference between a message that is ambiguous and unclear and therefore non-transferable versus a message that is simple, that is clear, and able to be repeated and transferred across the organization. And so if you're an impact-driven leader, you can answer the question, why do we exist? And you can answer the question, what do we stand for? Here's what I want to know is, 
is the heartbeat and passion and excitement that you have for your answers to those questions transferred through common language to every single level of your organization. Because I will tell you, the most thriving teams I've ever coincided with, worked with, and been a part of, the one thing they always have in common is that their team is able to consistently answer, why do we exist, what do we stand for, and where are we going? It is the one thing that makes everything else more possible. And so when we talk about organizational culture, we're not talking about ping pong tables. We're not talking about PTO. What we're talking about is the soul of your organization. We're talking about the heartbeat that you have as a founder for what makes this thing move, what makes this thing go, what makes this thing worth it, and what are the lines you are simply unwilling to cross in pursuit of an audacious vision that currently doesn't exist. And if we don't put those things on paper, if we don't put those things into common, consistent language that's able to be transferred, they will be lost. Listen to me. Culture is either created or it is tolerated. And unless you deliberately invest in the creation of a culture that is healthy, that is mature, and that is vibrant, you will look up And you will be a leader or an owner of a business that you don't even like anymore. You'll be the owner or leader of a business that when you walk in the door, all you focus on is the problems and the annoyances and the disagreements rather than the purpose and the passion and the energy that was the reason why you started. And it's so devastating to me whenever I coincide with a leader or a founder that was once passionate about the thing that they started but is no longer passionate. And the reason why is because they look up and they don't see any part of what they started with in the team and organization and business that currently exists. And this is why I'm so grateful to operate in the coaching role uh, that I've now operated in with leaders and alongside impact-driven leaders for almost a decade is I've seen some of the most talented, admirable, respectable, outrageously competent leaders end up in that really sad position. And it certainly wasn't something they did deliberately, and that's kind of the point It just kind of snuck up on them. It wasn't like they made a decision one day that, oh, we're going to abandon this purpose or we're going to abandon these values that really matter to me so that we can hit some goals and hit some revenue markers so that we can continue moving forward or so that we can meet all our obligations. They never actually made that concrete decision. It just crept up on them. And so in so many ways, what we're talking about today is opportunity for your business to create a culture that is life-giving for you and others. But just as much as opportunity, it's responsibility. Because what we're talking about today is the boundaries and guardrails by which you are unwilling to cross in order to be successful. Because especially as your business grows, the allure of success will come knocking on your door. And success is often accompanied by opportunities to compromise on things that you deeply believe. And if you haven't made some concrete advanced decisions about what you stand for and why you exist before those opportunities come, I just don't really trust my willpower enough to make every single decision one-off as it comes to me. 
This is why this is so important, and this is why it's what we're going to be focusing on here in this episode today. So we're going to walk through each of the three questions, and I just want to highlight what it looks like to answer these well and walk you through some of the things that I've learned in teaching and training teams and facilitating the creation of these things with teams now for years and years and years and years. So why do we exist? What do we stand for? Where are we going? Now, I want to lay out for you how we answer these things um, before we jump into each one. At Path for Growth, the way that we answer why do we exist is within our organization's mission statement. The way that we answer what do we stand for is on our organization's core values. And the way we answer where are we going is within our organization's vision. Now, some people just got all cockeyed and screwed up and, and they're getting mad at me right now because they're like, that's not the language we use. We don't call it a mission. We call it a purpose statement. We don't call it a purpose statement. We call it a manifesto. We don't call it a manifesto. We call it an organizational dream. And <laughs> calm down, calm down. You don't have to turn off the podcast. It's okay. Listen, call it whatever you want. Okay. Seriously, call it whatever you want. What I want to get across to you is that I could care less what you call it. What matters is that you and your team can consistently answer these questions. Why do we exist? What do we stand for? Where are we going? And the language that you're going to hear me use on this podcast is why do we exist is the mission. What do we stand for is the values. Where are we going is the vision. So let's start with why do we exist? And we're going to use Path for Growth's mission statement and values and vision as an example as we walk through this content. So at Path for Growth, we say it at the beginning of every single podcast, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. That answers the question, why do we exist? And that was what was on my heart whenever I left my full-time job to start this business. Now, what I will tell you is although that was on my heart, the words weren't on my heart. It was really just the feeling and the idea and the concept. And it took a lot of time and intentionality and effort and deliberation and consternation to take that concept, to take that idea, to take that feeling and put some words to it. And one of the things that you will wrestle with if you're writing a mission statement or refining your mission statement to actually make it answer the question, why do we exist, is you're going to constantly ask the question, well, I don't know if that's right. Is that right? Is that true? I'm not sure if that's true. And what I will tell you is one that you have that's not right, but you're willing to work with is way better than not having one at all. And so at some point, you need to set a deadline for yourself, and 30 days is a pretty good deadline that you say, man, uh, by 30 days, I'm going to get all the information that I need to make a decision, but then I'm going to make a decision, and I'm going to put words on paper, and I'm going to decide. And I will tell you, ours has molded and shifted as we've grown as an organization, but the concept and the core and the soul of it remains the same. We exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. That's our statement. And what's so cool is in the first 90 days of the onboarding process, every single one of our team members memorizes that mission statement. In fact, I empower you as customers or members of the Path for Growth community. If you coincide with a member of our team at any point, you are more than welcome to ask them, what's Path for Growth's mission statement? And don't you dare let them look it up because they know it. I know they know it. And so that's so huge for us as an organization to know, okay, the thing that matters most to us is on everyone's heart and mind in a way that's immediately accessible. 
This is why I think it's wise for you to have a mission statement and not a mission paragraph. Because if it's not easily accessible, if it's not memorable, if it's not concise and portable, well, then we're not going to pull out the binder and say, well, let us refer to the mission paragraph as we make this decision on whether or not we should hire this person. No, no one does that. But I'll tell you, I do this all the time. Anytime we're making a big decision about an expenditure or thinking about where we should have our next in-person experience or understanding how to handle a tough customer issue or understanding how we're standardizing the coaching framework to provide both an outrageous sense of process but also outrageous sense of freedom to the incredible coaches that we get to hire, I'm able to look back and say, okay, within this decision, what is the best way to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified? And not only am I able to do that, our team is able to do that as well. That's why it's so important that it's a statement, that it's concise, and you have to do the hard work of making it simple. And I wouldn't tell you that you have to do this in isolation. That's why we provide team trainings that help people do this uh, as they are going, because we want to come alongside people and help them write a statement that clearly and concisely and passionately describes the heartbeat that they have as a leader for their organization that they want to scale as their organization grows. Now, what I want to share with you is what this mission statement has done for us in the past two years of our business. And what I want you to pay attention to here is the fact that having a statement didn't do what I'm about to share with you. Using the statement did. And so some of you think this episode doesn't apply to you because you say, oh, we created a mission statement when we established this organization 10 years ago. Awesome. I love that. My question would be, does it do the things that I'm about to describe? Because if it doesn't, it's either not the right mission statement, number one, or it's a mission statement that may be right, but you're not using Because I'm telling you, we talk about this thing literally all the time. We are always referring back to the mission because, again, if it's why we exist and everything runs through the lens of why, why would you not refer to the mission statement all the time? So what does it do? And I want you to use this as a lens through which you can look at your own. Uh, Number one, it connects the mundane to the meaningful. Um, One of my favorite Jordan Peterson moments was in a series of lectures that I got to see him give live in a small group of people. And I'll never forget, he, he got really quiet at one point and he was illustrating a principle that is very related to what we're talking about today, but it wasn't in the context of a business. I've just extrapolated it into that. He, he looked at people and he said, you know, imagine you've got a handful of brick masons. He said, maybe you've got four brick masons. And he says, you walk up to the first brick mason and he's kind of frustrated and he's just moving the bricks and he's huffing, he's puffing. He doesn't really look like he enjoys his work. And you say, what are you doing, man? And he says, I'm just laying these damn bricks. I just hate these stupid bricks. Then you go over to the second brick mason and he's got a little bit more pep in his step. And he's got a little bit more energy and life in his face. And you ask him, what are you doing? And he says, oh man, I'm building a wall. And, and this wall is important because this wall is going to become something. And then you go to the third brick mason and man, the, the, the third brick mason is, I mean, he's moving fast. He's got a sense of urgency about him. He's, uh, he's got some excitement about him. He's clearly more attentive to the quality and the sense of urgency that he's bringing to the brick laying. And you look at him and you say, well, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a cathedral. 
laying bricks, constructing a wall, building a cathedral. And then you go to the fourth one. And the fourth one is just joy personified. And man, this guy could teach a master class on how to lay bricks. He does it in a way that's efficient, but also effective. He's treating people well as he does it. He's got a smile on his face. He's whistling as he lays the brick. And you look at it and you kind of marvel because you're like, oh my gosh, it's almost like he's not even laying bricks. It's almost like this is art. Like what he is doing is such craftsmanship and there's such a degree of difference between this guy than the first guy. It's almost incomprehensible that it's the same activity. And you look at that guy and you ask him, what are you doing? And he says, I'm glorifying God. That's what we're talking about when we say a mission or a purpose connects the mundane to the meaningful. What we want is we want for you to have a statement and we want that statement to be reflective of a sense of purpose that everyone can get so excited about how their individual role, how their day-to-day activities fits into the grander purpose of what's going on. This is one of the reasons why I just have so much admiration and appreciation for my assistant, Michelle, because she uh, she does so much administrative work that, I mean, I just look at it and it just boggles my mind the amount of work that she's able to accomplish in the amount of time that she does. Uh, but even more mind-blowing than the amount of work that she accomplishes is the sense of energy and passion and joy and, and just friendliness that she brings to the work. And, and I, I just am so inspired by it. And, and what's so cool is whenever you talk to her about, man, how are you able to do this? Like emails and calendar invites and phone calls. And I'll just send her texts throughout the day being like, can you do this? Can you do this? And she just shuffles and organizes and shifts and moves and works with a wide variety of stakeholders being our team and our customers and our prospective customers and our podcast guests. And she does it all so well. And one of the things that she talks about is she's like, I just love the mission, I just love the mission. And she regularly refers to how she knows how how those activities are connecting to helping impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. Man, that is the type of person I as a leader will go to bat for. And that's the person I want in every seat on my team. And I want the same for you. Now, I can hear some of you right now. You're crossing your arms and you're saying, okay, well, you're in the personal growth and leadership space. It's a lot easier for you to do. It may be easier, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth it for you to do this, <laughs> right? It might be easier, right? Because, I mean, truly, what we get to do every single day is we get to help people step into who they were created to be. And, and so that's incredible. But I will tell you, I, I've seen some landscaping companies. I've seen some marketing agencies. I've seen some dentists. I've seen some doctors. I've seen some veterinarians who bring just as much passion and purpose and fire and fuel to their day-to-day work as our team does. It has nothing to do with industry, folks. It has everything to do with heart. And if you can take what's on your heart about why the work matters and put it into a sentence, you will have created a gift for your team that goes so much beyond yourself. That's what we're talking about. It connects the mundane, the day-to-day activities to the meaningful. Stephen Mansfield once told me, he said, Alex, you've got to be able as a leader to lift people's eyes just 10 degrees above the horizon. And that's the second thing that mission statements do. They say, okay, 
this is connected to something bigger. This isn't just about me. Pat Lencioni says that there's three signs of a miserable job, irrelevance, immeasurement, and anonymity. Let's look at that first one, irrelevance. What irrelevance means is the work that I'm doing every single day doesn't matter whenever it comes to the big picture. Well, I mean, miserable almost isn't a strong enough word. That just sounds awful, right? That is, I mean, nihilistic meaninglessness. I don't want that for myself, so why would I ever want that for one of my team members? So we've got to have something that reminds them, hey, this work may feel a little bit mundane. This work may be a little bit difficult, and that's part of having a job. There's times where I do things that are a little bit mundane, a little bit boring, a little bit feel meaningless, and what I have to do is I have to refer back onto why am I doing it? Because if I just point my eyes at what I'm doing, ugh, the quality's going to suck, And my attitude's going to be awful. It's not going to matter, right? And so I've got to lift my eyes up. I mean, one of the greatest examples I've ever seen of this is Dave Ramsey. I think this is one of the things that is his greatest strength and has led to the incredible growth and success and vitality of that organization's culture is he would have times throughout the year, which this highlights the communication topic too, where he says, remember, if, if you're in shipping, you're not just shipping books you're shipping hope to people. And remember, if you're selling tickets to someone to a financial peace event, you're not just selling tickets, you're selling hope. You're not just giving them a seat, you're giving them hope. And remember, if you're taking someone through Financial Peace University for the first time, you're not just getting them out of the debt, you're guiding them on a path that will create hope for them. Right? He's taking what people are doing every single day. He's lifting their eyes 10 degrees above the horizon and say, don't forget the purpose. Remember why. So why do we exist? Your answer to that question connects the mundane and the meaningful. It lifts people's eyes above the horizon. And then this third one is so important. It provides inarguable common ground. One of the things that I'm so grateful for and so amped by within our team right now is we disagree so much. Like, I mean, I I think it's kind of like a side core value of us. We have just hired a lot of really, really stubborn people. And and there's this just this flair of stubborn independence that it's like, I am not just going to agree with you because you can present a nice argument with a smile on your face. I'm going to ask you every question in the book and I'm going to play devil's advocate and you're going to have to to persuade me that you're right and I'm wrong. And man, we wrestle. We just, I mean, get get into it with each other. But, but here's what's so cool. The reason why we're able to engage in conflict in a way that's healthy is there's one thing that we know we will never disagree on. That's the mission. And I would also add the values as well. But we say, man, we know we can agree on these things that really matter. We exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others may benefit and God is glorified. We're not going to disagree on that, right? If you disagree on that, it's just a great sign you don't belong on our team. And it's within that umbrella, within that framework, man, let's argue. Let's wrestle. Let's get after it. Let's tell each other you're wrong, right? Because we know we're fighting for the mission. I'm not fighting you. I'm fighting for something. Transformational movement are never created by what someone was against, but rather what they're for. And so we provide people with the handles necessary to fight for something. 
And that's so good because when Olivia tells me she disagrees with me and she thinks I'm wrong or when Zach does that or when Kelly does that or Danielle or Duke does that, right? When they tell me those things or Michelle does that because every single one of those has done that at some point, when they tell me, I think you're wrong. I Well, I've got this trust in them as a leader that, that okay, well, they're not just attacking me. They're fighting for the mission and they know the same about me. And, and so it provides inarguable common ground. And if you've got some common ground on why you exist, we can have all the arguments and conflict we want on how to get there. So why do we exist is the first question you need to answer. And we want to answer it in a way that is personal, that is portable, and that is aspirational. And the example that I will give you from Path for Growth is we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And what I would tell you is if you already have that statement – memorize it, and then communicate about it over and over and over again. And make sure that you're using it to make decisions. Make sure that you're using it in course correction conversations. Make sure you're using it to recognize great action and great behavior. Make sure you're using it in your award ceremonies. Make sure you're using it at your Christmas party. Don't just let it be something that sits by idle because why would you allow your purpose to sit by idle? That's a great path to ending up as an owner that is trapped by the business that they created. Don't do that. Keep it alive. Keep it well. Invest in it. Water it. Grow it. That's what we're talking about. So that's why do we exist. Now let's move to what do we stand for. So what do we stand for within Path for Growth is answered by our core values. And there's a lot of reasons why core values are important, but the one that I want to highlight for you right now is that core values create the boundaries within which outrageous freedom can occur. I'm going to say that again. Core values create the boundaries within which outrageous freedom can occur. My hope is that as a leader, you want your people to experience freedom, to make decisions, and to make a meaningful contribution to moving the organization forward. And I know for a fact, because I talk to leaders all the time, that you want your team members to have a sense of ownership about the place that they lead and work. And if you don't want that, I would suggest to you that you should want that, right? You want them to be invested. You want them to be engaged. You want them to deeply care, especially if you're an impact-driven leader. And so how do we do that? Well, it's really hard to care if you don't know the boundaries. Because if you don't know the rules of a game then you're constantly paranoid about whether or not you're going to step out of bounds or you're going to foul or whether you're going to screw up. And, and so people are just want to know, hey, what are the basic rules of the game? Because within the rules of the game, you also tell me a lot about how I can win the game. But what I've seen is that a lot of teams have leaders that deeply care about certain things that have never been articulated. And so the leader is really, really passionate about these things. And the team members don't fully know what they are. And so therefore, the team members are always walking around like they're on eggshells. Like, man, is what I'm doing okay? And can I take this step? Can I make this decision? Can I take this action? And with all of that resistance, typically what most people will do is they just freeze and they won't do anything at all. And they'll say, okay, I'll just do what I'm told because I don't want to make this passionate founder or owner upset that I crossed one of their invisible lines that I didn't see, right? There's a reason why the lines on a football field aren't invisible, 
because we need to see whenever we're going out of bounds. And there's a reason why in your organization, the lines can't be invisible because people need to be able to see what's out of bounds and also where's the end zone and also what are the rules by which I can play the game? What's a foul? What's a flag? What's a warning? What's a termination? And if you don't provide the framework within which that occurs, well, then people are just going to be outrageously paranoid and they're going to be operating out of a spirit of fear. Second Timothy says, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and self-control. And I think, I actually didn't think about this before recording right now, but thinking about that verse, I, I think it provides such an excellent example for us. He gave us love, power, and self-control. And the reason why we have those things, the reason why we have a sense of self-control and the reason why we're able to exercise power is because God has also given us the boundaries within which those things are healthy. And that's found in the Bible. And, and so in some ways, God says, hey, this is what we stand for. This is the boundaries of morality and wisdom by which we play the game. And within that, you've got love, power, and self-control. Make decisions, take action, get after it. That's pretty good. And so, man, maybe God gave us a good example worth following. That's a kind of a no-brainer, right? And so we should do the same for our organization. So at Path for Growth, we have five core values. Point to Jesus is number one. And what we're basically saying there is, man, we want our actions individually and our decisions collectively to point to the character and personhood of Jesus Christ. And I share with the people on our team and our customers and you on this podcast that I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who died for our sins so that we may live in an eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father. I, like, actually believe that. And so within that, it's really important to me that the organization that I lead reflects that belief and so our number one core value that we are just unwilling to cross is point to Jesus. That's going to be the guy that we point to. And what's so great is if you disagree with that rule, well, what happens with football? If you say, oh, I disagree that that's out of bounds, they say, okay, well, we'll just move the marker. No, they just say, okay, well, you're probably not going to play the game of football then, or you're certainly not going to play this game of football, right? And so if people come to us and they say, oh, I disagree with you, I'm hostile towards you, that's fine. It just means that this isn't your game to play. And we're probably not going to be the best company for you to work with or um, for you to maybe be a customer with if you're hostile to it. Now, we work with plenty of people that don't agree with us, but we're not hostile towards each other. And I think that's a really good thing. So number one is point to Jesus. Number two is alignment. There are so many leaders, teams, and businesses within the space uh, that we work in, which is kind of the personal growth and leadership development industry, that teach things that they don't actually do. And I just have seen how that can be a really dangerous road because you start to paint a picture of yourself that is untrue to who you and what your business actually is. And what that results in is the opposite of integrity. What's the opposite of integrity? Well, it's disintegration, right? And so literally from the inside out, the organization, the teaching, and even the person that's giving the teaching, which in this case would be me, disintegrates. They fall apart. 
And it just doesn't work because you can't put up this front that's this face and this mask and then behind the scenes, you're absolutely falling apart and you can't live that way sustainably for a long period of time. And so what do we want? Well, we want outrageous internal alignment. I want the picture that you see on the outside, the words that we say as a team, the things that we do as a team, the way that we operate as a business to be so incredibly accurate and reflective of what's actually going on. And so what we always tell our team is that the message we give is the way that we live. That's what alignment means to me, is we're not going to teach things that we don't do. And so what that means is we hold our team accountable to a standard of alignment within the ideals and principles associated with practicing healthy growth. But it also means to us as a coaching organization that we're not going to talk about things that we haven't done. And so you're not going to see me teaching on principles. You're not going to see Olivia or Kelly teaching on principles that we have not had intimate experience with, that we've not engaged with. Unless we're saying, hey, I I haven't done this, but I have read this or I've seen this. I'm not going to act like an expert on something that I've never experienced. And neither is anyone on our team. So point to Jesus alignment. Freedom and responsibility is number three. And because this isn't a complete outlay of our core values, I'm just going to kind of breeze through the next three. Um, Freedom and responsibility is basically related to the idea that the amount of freedom you experience is often directly tied to the amount of responsibility you take. And so a great path to experiencing more freedom is taking more responsibility. And because we're a virtual organization, we constantly want our team to hold both, and that's something that we stand for. The fourth one is treat people like friends. That's the way that I like to do business. That's the way that our leaders like to do business. And that's the way our team as a whole right now likes to do business. We are going to treat people like friends. And then the tagline that I always add to that is because they are, right? I I just, I love the people we get to work with, whether it's our team members, whether it's our customers, whether it's our vendors, whether it's the people that we interview on the podcast. I mean, prospective customers. We try to go out of our way to treat people like friends because they are. And that really matters to me that we invest in the relationship, not just in some sterile transaction. And then finally, our last one is one that you hear at the end of every podcast. It's strength is for service. I believe that as a business, uh, we have been blessed with strength in many ways. And that strength wasn't given to us to hoard, but rather it was given to us to spend. We become outrageously strong intellectually, creatively, organizationally, financially, so that we may serve others. And that is just rooted in who we are and what we do. So those are our core values. I don't give those to you because they're going to be your core values. I give them to you so that you've got an illustration of what it looks like to stand for something and be deeply passionate about it. But what I want to walk you through is the litmus test that we take leaders through whenever we do a team training with them uh, on site or whenever we teach the core values workshop within the Path for Growth membership community. And so this is the litmus test uh, that we run a value through to say, okay, is this value actually core? This was kind of refined and informed by reading that I've done within Jim Collins' work, within Pat Lencioni's work in The Advantage, and within some of Henry Cloud's work as well. And so it's out of that that I've created this litmus test that I've found outrageously helpful and then kind of combined my experience with the organizations that I've worked for and now the one that I get to lead. Number one, the first thing that we've got to be able to say is true about the organization is we are more committed to this value than 99% of our industry. 
And that's interesting because it doesn't say that we're better at it quite yet, but it does say that we're more committed to it. Like we care so deeply about this that we stand out. We are distinctive from our industry. It needs to stand out in that way. Uh, number two, we are willing to accept that these may get taken too far. <laughs> That's an interesting one because uh, Ramsey Solutions is a great example. One of their core values is self-employed mentality. Well, sometimes people exercise such a self-employed mentality that they end up self-employed. Uh, yours truly is a great example of that. And here's what I appreciate so much about Dave's heart and that organization's culture is when I said that I was leaving to start my own business, they didn't get mad at me. They didn't get angry at me. They didn't argue with me. They celebrated me because they said like sometimes values get taken too far and that just happens. So values can get taken too far. Number three, we want to integrate these values into our hiring process. If someone doesn't align with your values, but is a great performer or fills a spot that you really need to fill, do you hire them? Absolutely not. And so one of the ways you know it's actually a core value, if you're actually a value-based organization, is are you willing to investigate for these values in the people that you're hiring? And if you find evidence that they do not align with them, are you willing to not hire them regardless of how much you need the position or how much you want that person to be on the team? Uh, and that connects directly to the next piece of criteria. We are willing to be punished because we chose to live by these values our organization has lost money because we've chosen to live by certain values. Our organization has taken some hits because we've chose to live by certain values. And most of the businesses that I've worked with that have had and implemented core values for more than a year have evidence of how they've been punished because they chose to live by them. But that's where I always think of that quote, if you stand for nothing, you fall for everything. And so eventually you got to stand for something. You got to draw some lines at the sand because that's absolutely crucial to you leading a business that doesn't make you miserable. Because the alternative is that you stand for nothing and then you become a leader that isn't actually creating boundaries for any activities that contradict what you're deeply passionate about within your organization and habits and tendencies become tolerated and sometimes even celebrated within your organization that you don't even like, but there were no boundaries to prevent it from happening. So there's got to be some things where we're willing to make the tough decisions and be punished because we chose to live by it. Next one, we want to establish a consistent rhythm of communicating and recognizing these values to the team. If you're going to be a value-based organization, you're going to communicate these values a lot, like a lot, a lot, to the point where your team should be able to do impressions of you in a goofy way communicating about these values. And, and your team's going to memorize them, and you're going to memorize them, and you're going to say them over and over and over again. And you're constantly going to point to them, and you're constantly going to course correct using them. You're constantly going to use them in decision-making meetings. You're constantly going to teach on them. And so if you're not passionate about communicating about it as a value, it shouldn't be a value because you're going to communicate about it if you're going to lead a value-based organization. So that's one of the ways you know is, okay, can I be passionate about this? Uh, next one, we are willing to fire current and past employees who establish a pattern. Pattern is the important word of not living in alignment with these values. Next one, we are willing to spend disproportionate time and money on activities related to these values. If they're not reflected in your budget and your calendar, they're not values. You know that. So are you willing to spend disproportionate time and money? 
And here's what's neat. You can rewind this section in the episode too. And if you have core values, it would be really good to run yourself through this litmus test and say, is this actually true with regard to the things that we say are values? Because nothing is worse than an organization that says it values something but doesn't live that way. Um, Okay, we've got two more. These values will not change with the times. They are who we are. And then also these values answer the question, what do we stand for? So if all of those statements are true, then you've got a core value. But that, I mean, that's kind of like threading the needle, right? That's a lot of criteria. And that's why typically, in my experience, organizations have about three to five. Now, what's really interesting here is we're not labeling things that aren't currently true that we want to be true. We're labeling the things that are currently true about your best team members and about yourself. And so we're just putting language to the things that already exist that we want to amplify. We're investing in the idea that language creates culture. So we're going to start putting labels and names to the behaviors that we want to see repeated because we're going to reward them. That's what values are. And so be an organization that stands for something. And if you want to be an organization that stands for something, well, a great path towards getting there is be a leader that stands for something. So maybe it would be wise for you to identify your personal core values. And then once you've got a sense of personal core values, that'll give you the courage to identify some organizational core values because it's going to take courage and it's going to take conviction, especially if you're someone that is in business and maybe you've had core values that you haven't used and you haven't lived by, or you've never had core values. I, I have never seen it where someone establishes core values for the first time within an organization and didn't have to make some really, really hard decisions, people wise to bring the organization into alignment with the things that they now say they value. I mean, it's hard. It's gut-wrenching. But I I will tell you, you, you're going to have to take it as an act of faith. It is worth it because it looks like you saying, okay, these are my boundaries. And up until this point, I've tolerated activity that's outside the boundaries. And that's on me. In the football game, I've been a bad referee because I haven't even blown the whistle or thrown a flag because I never even told people what the boundaries are. And for that, I'm sorry, and I apologize. But I also want to let you know we are not doing that anymore. And as of today, this is what we stand for, and moving forward, we're going to stand for it. And I will work with all of you to grow in these things if you're not currently there. But what I have to see from you is a sense and a standard of commitment. Because if you don't have a standard of commitment to these things that are like the three to five things that are most important to me and to our business and to our leadership as a whole, you're just not going to even enjoy working here. And I love you too much to allow you to come to work every day at a place that you wouldn't enjoy. And so we're going to move forward. And if you can't move forward, you can't move forward. Why do we exist is answered by your mission statement. What do we stand for is answered by your core values. And then the third one is one that we're not going to spend much time on on this podcast because we've got future podcasts coming up. And also some of the first podcasts we ever did, if you want to scroll all the way down to the bottom, uh, we're on this topic as well. It's where are we going? And this is related to the topic of vision. 
But here's what I want to tell you about vision. Vision is casting a picture of a future that doesn't yet exist. And what we believe at Path for Growth is that if you focus only on a quantitative vision, which looks like a number, which often looks like a financial metric, which often looks like gross revenue or net profit, that that can be really good for one reason. It gives you single-minded focus. And we all know the power of single-minded focus. But the damaging nature of single-minded focus is uh, you become very single-minded minded about it. And you start ignoring other things that are actually probably more significant and more important, but just less measurable. Things like, do you like the person you're becoming? Do you like the organization you're becoming? Are your relationships getting stronger and better? Is your culture improving and maturing? Are you becoming more healthy as a person and an individual? Are your customers more satisfied and more happy than they were when you started? right? Is the impact that, you, that you're making in alignment with the impact you actually desire to make? Because growth doesn't solve for any of those problems. Deep-seated intentionality and focus solves for those problems. And so our vision needs to qualitatively reflect those things that refuse to be distilled into a single metric. That's what we're talking about here. And so the way that we do that at Path for Growth is we've got an organizational vision document and our vision statement is at the top of that document. It's that we have operationalized the practice of healthy growth in the life of the impact-driven leader by the end of September, 2024. And you say, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, we've got our definition of operationalized, standardized, documented, evaluated, and improved. We've done other podcast episodes within those things. And then we say we want to apply that definition of operationalized to six pillars of our organization that represent the essential functions of the business that we're going to need to focus on from now until September 24. And those pillars are administration, coach development, growth of the customer, customer onboarding, marketing and acquisition, and experiences. We're talking about in-person experiences when we say experiences. So what's neat is I can give that document to our team and they know, okay, this is what we're focused on. This is where we're going. And what it does for us is it says, okay, this is what we are all pulling towards. And we all know that the power of a team that's pulling in one direction versus many directions is exponentially greater. It's not like, oh, if we have five team members that are all pulling in the same direction, we're five times more powerful. No, it's like 15 times more powerful because we're amplifying all of our strengths, all of our gifts, all of our talents, all of our passions. We're pointing it at the same thing and it creates this virtuous cycle that's just thrilling to be a part of. But you've got to be courageous as a leader if you're going to do that. Describe a future that doesn't currently exist. Think about an impact that you want to make that would look like a grand slam. Think about an expansionary vision. But here's what I want you to remember. Chasing an audacious vision without first identifying your core values and your mission as an organization is not leadership, it's recklessness. And so you can set this 5x goal, but if you haven't established the boundaries that we're going to play in, and you haven't said, this is the reason why we're doing it, and that's the thing that we're going to guard, man, you're going to become an organization that is toxic. I've seen it happen so many times and it breaks my heart every single time and then it just makes me angry because it's like you could have avoided this. You could have established some boundaries. You could have defined your purpose, but instead you traced growth for the sake of growth. And we say it all the time, growth for the sake of growth is dead. I don't care how big you can grow your business if you look up and you're not passionate about the purpose and you compromise all your values as an individual because you don't actually care about that. And it has nothing to do with you actually liking the person or the organization that you're becoming. 
to first describe the purpose that represents your heartbeat as an owner and put it into a concise mission statement. And then define your core values that that give people the boundaries within which outrageous freedom can occur. And then communicate them over and over and over again. And then knock yourself out chasing an audacious vision while you simultaneously guard the things that matter most. Why do we exist and what do we stand for? Truly, you taking the time to properly answer and then communicate your answer to these three questions represents what I believe to be your investment as a leader that could have the greatest ramifications for your organization's future and for the future of the people that work within it. I just see it over and over again. People want to be a part of something. And what if you were the leader that had the courage to create something that was so much greater than the dream job that they had in their mind because they had freedom, they worked with people that shared the same values as them, and and they just loved the work because they knew it was connected to a greater purpose. And within all of that, they were chasing something that gave them so much hope and excitement. They felt like they were on this grand adventure alongside you, pulling towards something that every single person in the building deemed worthwhile. That is absolutely possible regardless of industry, regardless of stage of business, and regardless of how long you've been in business, as long as you believe it is. Because the person that's not going to be able to create that type of culture is the person that doesn't believe that it's possible. So you got to believe that it's possible, and then you got to be about the business of doing the work. These three questions are part of the nine stages that we've kind of identified businesses have to apply themselves to in order to engage in a practice of healthy growth. And that's really what is at the core of what it means to walk on a path for growth as a leader. And so if that's something that you're interested in, we teach on these things and work with leaders to create these essential fundamental elements uh, within our membership program. And then we also do on-site trainings where we walk with people through the creation of these elements and their obviously, where we walk with people and their leadership teams as they create these elements that are so foundational to the future of their business. And so if that's something that you're interested in, if that's something that you'd like to be a part of, you can send us an email at team at pathforgrowth.com or you can visit pathforgrowth.com and shoot us a note. We'd love to talk to you. Hey, one more thing before we go. Every week we send out an email called Worth It Wednesday. It's because I believe most email isn't worth it. So every week we're going to send you a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking Uh, We call it Worth It Wednesday, and you can read it in under three minutes. If you want to get on that list, you can sign up in the link that's in the show notes or at pathforgrowth.com. Y'all, we're grateful for you. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. And remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.